Welcome back. It's now and again. It's a fun little side adventure. We are doing Rolling Stones' Top 100 Greatest Songs of the Century. So far, we have done 100 through 50, and we're in the home stretch. We are rounding second. We're in the shortstop position. And um, I don't think it's going to get any better from here. Nico Vasillo, you're with me on this terrible journey. How are you today? You know, I'm. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are. I think there were enough pleasant surprises. Um, you know, because here's what we didn't expect. One of the things that that's really interesting, you know, because by now mm-hmm. Jonah's been on the episode and everybody's met the amazing Jonah. Sounds like a really shitty wizard. The amazing Jonah. He's gonna make. <laughs> he's gonna make a tiny statue of this of the Statue of Liberty disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it falls out of his sleeve and. Um, so he presents a really unique uh, perspective, uh, something I think I've said to him before, like, you know, in a personal conversation, is his age group, because I don't want to say generation, because I believe he's part of the same generation that we are. He was born before 2000 and after 1984, so he is technically a millennial. Uh, the group bef- that was like 1979 to 1984, because of their relationship with technology, is technically being called a zillennial, which is midway through between Gen Z and millennial. Because, th- But I'm actually going to be real. I do kind of get what they're saying with the relationship between technology and like the development of technology and the way yeah. at which it was integrated into your That's daily reasonable. life. There is a staggering difference between you know getting AOL dial up at seventeen and getting AOL dial up at twelve. Yes, agreed. there's a profound difference. So I do kind of get how they're how especially for American suburban and American not financially forgotten by their government cities how there is a a discrepancy there. Yeah, I mean, think about what age, how much it would change you if at 12 versus 17, you were able to jack it to a drawing of Sonic the Hedgehog fucking Lisa Simpson. I mean, I figured out I was gay watching Tails Eat Out Knuckles, so, (laughs) like, I don't know what I would have done if I had been straight that whole time and I would have just, you know, not been able to know. Yeah. So, okay, anyway, uh, (laughs) we're gross. And... Uh, I bring all that up, and I, and I stress that stuff because our gen, our our age group is a little bit more like, oh no, you got to be legit, you got to sell me on your art, sell me on the whole package. Our 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 age group is like, we need authenticity, and I think it's because we grew up with the pop princesses. It's actually something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I think I'm sometimes a little bit too focused on certain eras in certain ways, and I think we all are. I think that's a very human thing, but. Um, I don't want to be trapped by my inspirations. I want them to have inspired me, not limit me. Because the minute you can't move past your inspirations is the minute they are your limitations. And it's really important for me to keep growing as an artist uh, on my own. And I wonder how much, you know, because the first, I'll never forget, I was working at Coconuts. Um, and it was the first time I heard Panic at the Disco. Uh, Coconuts is an FYE or like it's like a Sam Goody. It's just like yeah. a general big music store. Which means it's dead as hell. Yeah. And it, uh, I, I heard Panic at the Disco and my first thought was, God damn, this guy clearly wants to make really modern, cutting edge, Baroque inspired music, but he grew up singing boy bands for sure. Mm. Because you could just hear in his delivery that it was very like, and and his vocalizations were very um, pop R and B inspired in that, uh, in kind of like a um, a very affected way to be honest. But like, it, I thought it was a good thing. 
I sometimes wonder if I'm a little bit too obsessed with the, with the things I'm obsessed with. I actually love artifice. I love uh, like ridiculous, over the top performance, neon glow. Um, uh, one of the things I say is I could never. I've lived in Orlando for on and off over the course of five years, uh, working for the Walt Disney Company in the theme parks, and I, I said that I could never settle there because. You know, I could only ever really settle on the Northeast or the Southwest. It would either need to be L.A. or New York, essentially, because that's where the museums are. In, in Florida, you know, they pray to the gods of fast food neon. And right. Like, it's it's really true. I have nothing against Orlando. And sure, downtown Orlando is amazing. And there are so many things offered there. But you are dominated by the culture that dominates your situation. And Orlando is dominated by a sense of fake. And I even love that. I think it's so cool and it's really fun. Um, And I wonder how much of that is because I grew up in the pop idol generation. I, I wonder how much of that, you know, the kids that grew up just before us, like my cousins, I have these, I have these awesome cousins, Robbie and Lisa, um, and I grew up thinking they were literally the coolest people in the world. My cousin Lisa was the first family member I came out to after my sister. Um, they were such huge inspirations on me. Like your cousin. Yeah. Uh, your well-named cousin. So <laughs> um, they were just so important to me growing up. They still right. are, you know, and I love their kids. Um, but, but I bring this up because they grew up with – I very clearly remember them and their friends sitting in the living room in, like, 1991. And that's, you know, five years old. And them all singing and playing Mr. Biggs to be with you on guitar, just like the video. I sometimes would laugh at myself and be like, I'm probably just superimposing them into the video. And then I'm like, no, I can clearly remember them watching the video while doing this (laughs) and, like, learning to play it along vaguely. And I, I think that's really important because it also informs me on how different generations interacted with things. But anyway, they grew up with hair metal and then the first thing they were confronted with after hair metal was like the reality of grunge. Right. And so for them, there's a severe seriousness to music. Mm. And our generation started with pop divas and pop princesses, but the responses to pop divas and, and boy bands and stuff like that, the general response we got wasn't the severity and seriousness of grunge. It was fucking Fred Durst. Yeah. And so even our revolution and our anger and our rage was filtered in this very artificial way. Now, I mean, I'm obsessed with Nine Inch Nails and Tool, but I recognize that they are a bit removed necessarily from the context of our generation. Jonah grew up a bit later, and why that matters is because Jonah grew up with the Jonas Brothers and Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez, but the thing about that is those kids grew up on Twitter and Instagram, and those kids have always been very real about who they are. So the music is all ridiculous pop artifice, but the people are real. For us, there was so much context on how they weren't real people. They went out of their way to make Christina Aguilera not a real not a real girl. They went out of their way to make Britney Spears like to the point where she is a celestial creature in multiple music videos. She is an alien in one. She is literally a magical floating cloud person in another. You know, it was so how not human they were. And they were always kept behind this magical veil and this wall. But Selena Gomez will post a no makeup selfie. They almost turned our girls into like, um, the the pop culture versions of like Jungian archetypes, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's something that's really interesting in a lot of ways because I think there would have been a a, a sense of things 
that if Justin Timberlake's penis pic had had leaked, it would have destroyed his career. But when Justin Bieber's dick pic leaked, his dad said, look at my boy, which will never, ever stop being the grossest thing ever. Mm, But Yeah, I I did not um, know that was a thing, and I am not thrilled knowing that. Oh, my God. So Justin Bieber's dick pic leaked, and it's him soft walking through water. Totally and, good. No, no, wait, no, it's weird. It is. And his dad retweet replies and comments, damn, look at that thing. Proud of my boy or something. That's that's 50% my penis. So, um, <laughs> so. I fucked at least one time and made half that penis. <laughs> this is my fault. So, um, so. Anyway, there was this idea that those kids couldn't be real, and these kids get to be real when uh, – and I know he's not a musician, but I'm going to make a parallel because I do believe he kind of falls into the same cluster that kind of describes the situation I'm talking about. The actor that plays PETA in the Hunger Games movies, Josh Hutcherson, the cutest little hobbit creature on Earth, when his dick pic leaked and he was like act about it in an interview, he was kind of like, ah, ha, ha, well, those things happen. And, and he wasn't like, nope, that's not me. And that's nothing that our generation's actors or child people could have done. And I bring this up because we came at this list being like, and of course, Rolling Stone, these fucking sellouts are going to have all of these goddamn stupid songs that we can't fucking believe. We predicted Foo Fighters. We predicted that there were going to be like 10 Kanye's by now. We predicted there were going to be like so much. We thought there was going to be so much Beyonce pussy licking that there wouldn't even be room for Jay-Z's dick. And like, (laughs) it turns out that's not the situation. There are are some things on here so obscure that we can't even process what the hell they are and we're not even interested in looking them up because we just assume they're that obscure. And and I'm, I'm saying all of this because it could even be cultural. These are things we might know because we're on the East Coast and some of this stuff people on the West Coast might not recognize. And Jonah provided a really interesting perspective where he was kind of like, oh yeah, no, Coldplay, they're just those old guys making music. And like that was kind of funny to me because part of it is when Coldplay started, they were the guys who really felt it, and it was like part of that, like, Dad, emo, whiny rock. Oh, no, I've done it. Oh, no, I did it. <laughs> oh, no, it finally happened by well, accident. Well, well. I'm sorry. Well, it's um, time to shut this down, boys. Uh, yep, the show's over. So, anyway, I guess what I'm trying to get at, and it's really long-winded, and it was really circuitous, and there was more circumlocution there than joke here, but... What I'm trying to say is I think we came at this list a little bit too pessimistic about the fact that the list would have been bought and paid for. There are some groups here that are so obscure, I can't imagine they have a Wikipedia entry, let alone somebody paying money to get them on a list. Now, it's unlikely to me... Only just one, I would say. That, that, That Parquet Courts is really the only one that I've outright never heard of. But a bunch of them are at least not part of the cultural vernacular in the way that you and I approached this list. We approached this list that it was going to be an eye-roll critical darlings list. And it's been much more random than that. And I, I think the only reason that matters is because sometimes we go into these now as a little bit too pessimistic. And my goal for 21 to 40 is make every episode a game. I think I'm about to enter a realm of of the of the years I don't know as well. And I'm about to have to do a whole lot more research to stay Nicopedia, to sure. stay as to stay the counterpoint that you have illustrated that I serve in our dynamic. I'm gonna have to put in a little bit more effort. 
And uh, this Rolling Stone list kind of made me a little bit more excited about that. Now, granted, I think three of these songs are going to be on a now, but um, I'm kind of positive on it. I think the rest of this list could suck pretty badly, but even if it sucks pretty badly, it's an entertaining kind of suck. I am certainly entertained, and something that you said I actually want to use to transition into something that we talked about at the end of the last episode. The reason that there's not a lot of Beyonce pussy looking on this list is because DJ Khalid is one of the people who voted on it. There is a list of how they made that list. I'm going to list some of the people who were given ballots. And honestly, the sample size is pretty small. Um, there's a couple of people from like artist management companies. So uh, members of the Black Keys, The Strokes, Charlie XCX, Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips, Britt Daniel of Spoon, which I'm actually... I forgot about Spoon when I was thinking about like um, Rolling Stone approved indie people, and I'm surprised we haven't seen any Spoon, and I don't think we'll see any Spoon if they haven't been there at 50. Uh, Diplo, the aforementioned DJ Khalid, uh, Noel Gallagher, a lot of indie people, uh, a lot of indie frontmen. So we've got uh, members of Portugal the Man, Alt-J, My Morning Jacket, Lake Street Drive, which is really kind of um, surprising to me, um, The Decemberists, Bell and Sebastian, Car Seat Headrest, uh, that Parquet Courts band that we never heard of. I feel like that dude just like slipped his own song in there, probably a little bit too high to get it on the list because it wasn't like what like ninety five or something like that. Record execs. Then we've got people like David Guetta, M.I.A., Avril Lavigne, Courtney Love, French Montana, Tom Morello, Rita Ora, Mark Ronson, members of Migos, Santa Gold, uh, members of Fallout Boy, members of Avenged Sevenfold, Lars Ulrich, Butch Vig of Garbage. Um, so it is very, it's fairly eclectic, but very Rolling Stone approved. Um, and then a bunch of journalists. I imagine all of them are on the Rolling Stone payroll. Um, the only two names I recognize are Kurt Loder and Cameron Crowe, but Cameron Crowe like, made his bones with Rolling Stone, so that almost doesn't even count. Um, so it's, um, it's a lot of what we assumed about how this list was made is probably kind of accurate, but in their defense, they, you know, they got, they spread the genres out at least a little bit. I would maybe say there could be a little bit more hip-hop representation on here. But other than that, um, you know, fuck the journalists. Who cares? It, it's it's not bad. It's it's not the worst. I, I expected worse. I expected it to just be journalists, frankly. I can tell you why I'm not shocked that it's not just journalists. And I can... I, I actually maybe I'm coming at this, the origin of the list, a little bit more negative than you are. Okay. Um, a lot of the people you mentioned are the kind of people who Rolling Stone have spent the last 10, 15 years cocksucking. Oh, yes. 100%. I'm, the only ones that I don't see that with are a, a couple of the indie people. Well, I'm not looking for, like, an unbiased sample. I'm not looking for... Um, I'm not looking for perfection. I don't believe that I'm going to get a list that I don't feel is tainted by Rolling Stone. I would be curious to see how many of those people have received four-star albums from right. Rolling Stone. I would be curious to see how many of them have been on the cover. I can say uh, several of them have. I would be curious curious to see whose side Rolling Stone has taken if they have been in a feud. Mm. Um, I would be curious to see how much helping Rolling Stone out is in their best interest. Because having your name on this list... At least fan wanks other people on the list, and no bad can come from having your name on this list. Uh, there is no really negative version of positively complimenting your friends in the industry, 
Um, because that's all it is. It's just compliments. No one is sure. saying, no one is saying like you know other artists are bad. And I think the reason that bothers me, um, it's really hard to ask Fallout Boy, whose entire body of work is in this time period and so heavily influenced this time period. It's really hard for me to say, okay, sure, they're unbiased. Well, no, they, this music, I, I just, there's something about the, the the source of the list that bothers me a little bit more than I thought it might. Well, I kind of see it, I think a parallel that I want to draw is there's been a lot of hubbub on Twitter recently, you know, so dating when we record this, um, about how Twin Peaks was entirely snubbed by the Emmys. No, no, no. Um, and it got one bullshit nomination. It got oh, one okay. real bullshit nomination. It got outstanding design for a miniseries. I'm, I think I'm the guy who, despite loving it and, and being a huge David Lynch stan, you know, I looked at that and I went, yeah, no, no shit. All awards shows are just meaningless excuses for people to dress up and talk about how great and charitable they are. Meanwhile, it's just industry awards and it's publicists essentially lobbying for whoever's paying them the most money. And it's a great big circle jerk. And no, of course I didn't expect the the people who give awards to the Big Bang Theory every year to acknowledge Twin Peaks because it's fucking way off the grid and pretty subversive and wild and um, aggressive in, in what it's trying to do. And there's a four-minute sequence of someone sweeping a floor. In the same way, you know, I, I really should be treating this. And in some ways, I think I was. And in some ways, I think I wasn't. You know, no, I'm not going to see Joyce Manor's fake ID on this list. Like, that's that's not going to happen. So, so my expectations, I think, should have been different. But, you know, I think because I'm coming at this from more of a critical standpoint, as someone who needs to spend hours of content discussing it i think i think there is even some disingenuousness in how we're talking about it i think we did i think we knew what we were expecting it's just it's just tough to align with that when you are not in when you don't share that mentality to begin with you know what i'm saying yeah uh i want to i want to connect with uh one or two things you said because i think you you really touched on some really great hallmarks of this and I think I might have said some of that in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that made it or not. Uh, Who even knows I, what we said? I did really come to realize that um, awards shows are semi-meaningless. Uh, I, I, and like I said, when my name's on the ballot, it'll be a totally different story. But it really bothered me when Brokeback Mountain lost the Oscar to Crash. Oh, yeah. And the way Oscar voting works is you have to pay a certain amount of money to be considered you have to take out some kind of ad. It's all this sort of stuff. The way the crash team did it was they advertised heavily along the routes that the executives from the, not the executives, but the, the majority of voters that live in the LA area would be taking to and from um, the executive, like you know, their, their studios and their offices and stuff. And promoted what an important film it was about racism in America in modern times. And by promoting... I just threw my pen across the room. And by promoting it that way, they basically... A bunch of white people basically appealed to a bunch of other white people's sense of what racism in a film should be depicted as. And got them to say that this was culturally relevant in the name of defeating racism. The truth is, as many gay people as there are in Hollywood... It's unlikely that that many of them are also Oscar voters. 
it's not hard to see that there is a bit of a bias against out actors. And learning all of that really contextualized a lot for me. I talked about how I discovered that American Idol places phone banks strategically to help certain people win. At the end of the day, uh, these, these award shows are just pretty parties to congratulate people with. Um, why don't we have best nurse party? Like, why don't we have best nurse awards? Mm-hmm. Well, because there are millions of nurses. There aren't millions of actors making these movies. And while we all go to hospitals, we all don't go to 20 hospitals. We all go to the hundreds of hospitals. But we only go see 20 movies. The average person sees one or two movies a year in theaters and watches three more than that. That's it. The average person watches between four and five movies a year. I am deeply and personally uncomfortable how many of them are Transformers movies. When when sometimes we talk about these awards or we talk about, uh, uh, like, okay, I think Tori Amos is my favorite artist of all time. I don't believe she is the greatest artist of all time. And I am right. able to recognize the two things as yeah. different. This list implies that you are not able to recognize yes. those two things as different. It, it is, I found in teaching high school English, it is very, it's like a revelation when you explain the difference between subjective and objective to children. It's almost, it's almost um, like, yeah, <laughs> it's almost like the equivalent of them learning object permanence. Yeah. Especially because like, I swear to God, the first four times you teach it, you have to teach it four times. I'm like, okay, ready? The sky is blue. That is objective. It's a thing that's an object and you can touch it. I know it's the sky and you can't touch the sky, so it's a bad example. Shut up and work with me. Hey, R. Kelly believes you can touch the sky, okay? He also believes that you can lock young girls on buses and like, you know, <laughs> s- like so let's not go necessarily preaching to the oh, all-powerful R. Kelly pulpit. Yeah, okay, fair. So, okay, then here's where I go with that. Um, I don't know. It's not even that I'm against the idea of trying to order things, but, like, I don't like it when people are like, oh, what's your favorite show? And I say what my, you know, I'll come up with one. And they'll be like, oh, cool, what's your favorite episode? And I'm like, I don't really have one. And they're like, yeah, you have to have one. And I'm like, no, shut up. Like, I don't even like, you know, I, I have, like, four best friends. I don't even like having a favorite anything, you know? So, like... I don't know that I could have come up with an order for this. I could have probably just come up with, like, 15 songs, or 100 songs, if it was 100 songs, whatever it is, that they asked for from each of these. Because do we know that they asked each of these people for 100 songs, and did they put them in a certain no. order, and how no. did they do it? Did they maybe say, hey, everybody, give us five suggestions, and they poured through those suggestions? And Did they ask for their favorite songs or the best songs? That's a huge distinction. And, you know, and I, I, I don't mean this shitty. I don't, but... If I'm Patrick Stump, which we don't even fucking know. It could have been the other two guys. It could have been... No, it was it was Stump and Wentz. You oh, think okay. the other two guys are getting this? Come on. Maybe Patrick Stump was too busy trying to sue Ed Sheeran for stealing his Muppet face. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I think this is the longest preamble ever. Uh, I'm ready to get into the list. Um, um, I don't know. There's Gwen- I think Gwen Stefani episodes might have inexplicably gone longer in preambles. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I one time started trying to clock it. Like, I tried to think of all of the times we talked about her. And so I looked up all the episodes she's on, and I was like, oh, that's not that many. And then I was listening to another episode one time, and uh, we were inexplicably talking about her, even though she wasn't on it. 
And I was like, no. Now that's what I call Gwen Stefani. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. We're actually hyper-obsessed with her. But hey, can I make a really interesting point? Outside of passing, we have barely discussed Taylor Swift in a really long time. And I think it's because Reputation did nothing for hers. I think while... it really didn't. I, I think while it sold, it took... A great, no- I mean, it sold on being Taylor Swift's album. It took an extraordinary number of singles. Um, I don't think this was the record they thought it was going to be. Now, and you you tend to not see, especially with how instant everything is today, you tend to not see fall off of an album on the actual album that people don't like. It'll be the next album that's affected by how received Reputation was. So. By then, people might have, might forget, uh, but we'll we'll see how the next one does. I think Reputation wrote a lot of 1989 success, and I think the next one, no matter how good or bad it is, is going to ride a little bit of that backlash that she received throughout that. Yeah, I'm uh I'm staying tuned because I think you're right. When we talked about the Beekeeper, the Tori Amos album, that's the one one you tried. That I'm like, oh god, mm-hmm. it's the one disaster. That's her last strong seller. Uh, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It rode the success of Scarlet's Walk, which was like her last main critical smash. And it was the next record. She literally went from every single one of her albums went platinum through her sixth record. Her seventh record sold 100,000 copies. Yeah. When, when the bubble on Marvel movies finally bursts, it's not going to be the movie that you know, everyone threw up their hands and said, I'm done, that makes $600 million less, it's going to be the movies after that. Like, that movie will still make a billion dollars because everyone will see it and go, oh, fucking come on. It'll be the ones after that that all suffer. Like, there's there's always that kind of, um, there's that jumping the shark moment that everyone has to kind of experience for themselves. Scientists. I'm, I'm okay with this here. I would even not mind this maybe up to 10 higher. It's a good song. Yeah, I was about to say. I could just put it higher. That's mm-hmm. about it. Yep. Um, 49, Sign of the Times by Harry Styles. Uh, I think that's the perfect name for this song being at 49, Sign of the Times. This will probably be something in five or six years that is not in this place, though may still be on the list. I think it's kind of interesting that they they call this a nearly operatic rack Nope. They call this a nearly operatic rock ballad that recalled Queen and David Bowie. Oh my. Oh my indeed. I guess his agent got the list. That is how, yeah, that is how you teach hyperbole. Number 48, Happy, Pharrell Williams. You've been calling the song for a while. I wonder, did you think it would be higher than this? 
you know, I thought a song that was in the top uh, f- like 50 or top 100 for two years and sold some astronomical number of copies and was so successful that people made like a seven-year loop of it. I thought um, I thought for sure this would have been higher, but, you know, it's not about sales. It's about what people voted. Uh, yeah, and Minions memes are better than this song. 47, Redbone, Childish Gambino. Um, I think this is a product of how recently it came out, but I think in the long term, this will find a place in the top 100. I kind of almost think that sells him short, though, because one thing I'm definitely noticing is they didn't give too many people too many slots. No, no, they didn't. Um, And so I wonder if the next time they do this list, he would be higher for something that's his next phase. Yes, and I I think this song, I think this is... No, I'm going to take back what I said. I think 47 is actually a fine spot for this song. Um, my, My gut reaction was that this was a little high and maybe the 60s range was more correct, but... And maybe that's where it'll shake out over the course of the next eight years or however long to make the next one of these. But um, no, I take I take it back now that I'm I'm kind of letting it linger. Um, I'm into this being here. Uh, Forty six, Cry Me River, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, okay. Um, this is one of those ones where it's like, it's a song that has an inexplicable cultural value that I don't understand. Do you think it's a, a relic of well, which Justin Timberlake song do we put on there because we need some Justin? Uh, yeah. I guess the I guess yeah, this would be the Justin catch all. Yeah, I think I think this is it's not gonna be Rock Your Body, that's a little little disposable. This one has a story that is of the time culturally significant, so I think maybe that gives it some points as well. Oh and, no, for sure. I'm completely with you on that. I think yeah, that it's the breakup song. Speaking of pop stars making breakup songs to other pop stars, number forty five, Sorry by Justin Bieber. Um I, th- I don't think this will be there the next time they make this list. No, that is artificially high. Yeah. That's pretty wild. 44, Stan by Eminem. If I remember correctly, that was number 10 last time. So my prediction of... Stan? Yes. Whoa, Stan fell precipitously. I predicted wow. this pretty hard. I predicted Eminem, the, his his poor recent album, and just kind of the problematic nature of him over the last couple of years. Both of those led to my prediction of... Um, Eminem falling significantly. I don't see any songs of his being relevant enough to get over this. So this for, Eminem topping off at 44, I think, is a, a very interesting sign of the changing tide. I I have to agree. Uh, I do like that it says um, Stan has subsequently become both a verb and noun, uh, which, I mean, I just used that like fucking 10 minutes ago. So there's some cultural relevance to that, but it is, it is very tongue-in-cheek. It's... Um, 43, Cranes in the Sky by Solange. Not a song that I would have thought of, but I do love its inclusion here. Again, though, I am left with, really, are we saying the best songs are all people, um, who are unbelievably connected to other people? Fair. Um, I mean, this, this album was pretty huge at the time, um, critically, and, um, I don't know about... I think it sold really well, too. I know it won some Grammys, and I think you kind of have to sell pretty well to win some Grammys at this point. And I I do like the song a lot. I love the production on this whole album. I don't know. I still just think a lot of this list is um, really artificial. Oh, I don't disagree. 42 is a song that uh, if you've ever used Pandora, no matter what band you've put in, they insist that you love this song. Um, Electric Feel by MGMT. And if Electric Feel is 42... I have a feeling kids will be even higher. I I actually think um 
I think this is their best song. I love this song. I think it's one of the best songs of the last 15 years. Wow. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I just think it's a great piece of pop. Um, but I think this is kind of high. I could see one of these two being on here. Um, I hope it's this one. Okay, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, MGMT in general being 42 is not what I would do, but I'm okay with it. Um, I, I just have a sinking feeling that Kids is going to be like 15. 41, Hurt by Johnny Cash. Not a shock in any way. Um, I don't love this song like other people do. I think the original is still better. I think this one is a little bit... It's almost a little bit too on the nose in a lot of ways. It's not to say it's not good, it, but it's uh, it's it's exactly in Rolling Stones lane. Uh, I don't like the ironic uh, trailer cover. Oh man, of anything. Same. And I think this gave birth to the ironic yes. trailer cover, so I hate it. This or Mad World, I completely agree. Those are like those are the patient zeros of this. This at least had some motivation behind it. Like there is a real personal intense feeling behind this song, which I. I appreciate and I understand, um, but it still feels a little a little on the nose to me. Yeah, it's it's still um, it's still the ironic cover. Huh, so again, one of my predictions going back was um, Rolling Stone acknowledging that you've been here a while, so it's given you acknowledgement for that. Um, Beautiful day by you two. Fuck you. Yeah, we've been tearing into this song for twenty episodes yeah. now. I don't know how much more we can tear into it. Yeah, uh, all that I can leave behind is this song. Uh, 39, No One Knows, Queens of the Stone Age. I didn't think about this song. I like its inclusion. I Yeah, I love it. I'm glad this is here. This is a great piece of music. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of songs. It's a lot of fun. It's high energy. You know, Yeah, it's a great, great, great record. You predicted some heavy Foo Fighters inclusion. I think this is our first sign of um, of the Grolster. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty wild. I, I, I kind of... I'm kind of into... Rolling Stone accepting that post like 1998 Foo Fighters is pretty worthless. They have a good hit or two that here and there, but is Learn to Fly post 2000? I think that's like 2003. Oh, okay, then I mean maybe we'll still see that, but that, that seems pretty that seems pretty high at this point. Let's keep going, man. Sure, 38 Formation by Beyonce. Um, I would have expected this to be top 10, honestly. Yeah. Um. I'm pretty shocked. I'm pretty freaked out by what this top 10 is going to be. I think it. I think one of my predictions was the top 10 would entirely change, and I was pretty confident about it when I saw Stan drop so hard, but now I kind of think... I'm not sure we've seen another song that was in that top 10, so I kind of have a gut feeling it's going to be very similar. Um, except, no, I, I'm sure... I, do, I did predict CeeLo taking a massive fall. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I still think that will change, but... Um, do you think... Do you think Crazy will take a massive fall, or do you think Fuck You will go way up? Oh. Um, because that's where I'm at. I'm like, ooh, I think um, Crazy will be, like, number 23, and Fuck You will be number two. I don't... Mm, wow. So, my my thing about CeeLo being was his, his legal issues would be something that knocked him out of this position. Them really digging into the ones that were problematic on this cycle, because we haven't seen any R. Kelly... Um, we've barely seen Eminem. Um, if we don't see CeeLo within... So, Crazy was number one. If if Crazy is not on this list at all, right, then then they are leaning so hard into... I don't, I don't want to call it identity politics. That's not quite correct. But 
you know what I'm saying, right? It's it's almost disingenuous, despite the fact that it's, a, it's an artist who's problematic in nature. Them in seven years going from an artist from being one to unlisted uh, is is just, I, I don't have a better word than it, wrong? Because here's what we're saying. Neither one of us is saying that we feel being problematic shouldn't preclude you from the list, but there should right. be some sort of statement that, hey, this list represents... The 100 Greatest Songs by Artists You Shouldn't Feel Too Bad to Listen To. I guess integrity is the word I'm looking for. If you want to have some form of integrity, your number one cannot drop to zero just because the artist is a piece of shit. Like, they made that song still, and we can have this discussion for days about artists and and the art and blah, blah, blah. But, like, if it was number one seven years ago, I, I don't think to have integrity in your list, you can take it off entirely. And if you do... If you do, I'm even saying you can, but you have to make some sort of acknowledgement of the fact that you are yes. you are compromising some factor in a way that just means you shouldn't directly compare it to last time. And also worth noting, that is not a CeeLo Green song. That is a Gnarls Barkley song. Um, Fuck You is specifically a CeeLo song. Like, um, he is a member of that band. So there, there's even almost, this is a weird way of putting it. But less excuse, I'm making that in giant air quotes because this is a an audio medium, but like to do that. Um, I mean, we're, we still have a lot to go before. I, I, I still could see that being like 10 for sure. I think we're, we're jumping to some conclusions here. But with 36 spots left, both of those songs, Fuck You and Crazy, probably should have a slot. I agree. All right, well, let's see. 36. Uh, I ain't saying she's a gold digger. But the song is 36, and I'm okay with that. I'm shocked it's not top 15. Shocked. What Kanye songs are left to be top 15? All the lights? Do you think that should be... American... I don't see American Boy being the one. It's gotta be a single. Stronger? Um, yeah, that's it. You got it. Uh, Blue Jeans by Lana Del Rey. No! Not even the best Lana Del Rey song on this album let alone to be on this list. Um, I don't believe she is... Kind of nuts for... Yeah, I believe this isn't... I believe Lana Del Rey is somebody that people root for. People like Lana Del Rey more than she is talented. Um, I think she's probably put out, what, four albums now? I think I can make two really great albums out of those four albums. That's how I see Lana Del Rey. I really like, like, 40 to 60% of her output. Fair enough. Probably way too high for this song, honestly. Number 34... We just talked about it, Mr. Brightside. Yeah. This should be top 15. Yeah, I should have been top 10. Um, you know, when we yeah. discussed the fact that it was in the British top whatever for however long, it, it's almost implausible that this isn't higher up here. Yeah, though it is kind of showing um, that the UK charts are very easy to manipulate as they just, like, boosted American Idiot as a way to, like, give a very boring middle finger to Donald Trump on, on the eve of his visit. Yes. Um, so the UK charts... Maybe are not, in all honesty, that impressive uh, in hindsight, but still, that is an acknowledgement, and the song is still relevant. It's it's memed, um, it's listenable, it's still played on the radio. You will hear this uh, everywhere from bars to fucking the supermarket. Um, this song is not going away anytime soon. This should, at the absolute minimum, be top 20. Let's find out what is possibly above it. Well, how about Radiohead's Idiot... Idiot... Idiotech? Joey's fucking flipping out right now that I don't know how to say that stupid word. Idiotic, maybe? Just fancy and shitty? I, um, I, I, okay. 
this isn't this is not a reference this is not an acknowledgement of this song this is an acknowledgement to okay computer and they had to pick one song off of it right exactly for exactly fine it's, it's let's acknowledge that there was a period in time where radiohead was the only thing that would there was a period in time where radiohead was the musical david sedaris sorry not okay computer whatever was just kid a and amnesiac and oh, yeah one of them um i realized that was wrong and i just fucking put your tweets down buddy um 32, Into Club by 50 Cent. Um, didn't think about this being on there. I'm shocked. This Don't hate it being on this list, bi- but this is This high. is bizarrely higher than Stan. Yes, true. Yeah, I, I can't even say that this is, even if you're talking about meme culture now, which probably didn't exist quite as much in 2011, Stan is like slang, and this is just like, this is still a joke. Um, I think one is significantly more culturally do, relevant than other. We do all still say, we do still all say it's, it's your, your birthday. birthday. Sure, but we've, that's the song that, yeah, but come on. Um, 31, Wake Up by the Arcade Fire. Um, I knew there'd be an Arcade Fire song no. in here. Didn't, I, it kind of makes sense for it to Too be high. Here. Too high. This is not the song. This, Too high. They say Too this high. is the band's signature anthem. Nope. I don't agree with that either. I think. Yeah, it's the same way Champagne Supernova is Oasis's signature anthem. I saw a tweet today that said they, uh, I just witnessed someone shazamming Wonderwall and had 41,000 retweets, which is pretty fucking funny. Honestly. Um, okay, fuck you. This is this has to be the most rolling stone of all of these. Number 30, Mississippi by Bob Dylan. You know, um, <clears throat> I have to guess then that six of the seven people that have heard that song got this list. Well, wait, and... I think we've heard this song based on this based on this am I reading this this blurb wrong? Dylan knew he had something special when he wrote Mississippi. During the sessions for 1997's Time Out of Mind, but despite trying it three very different ways, later released on 2008's Telltale Signs, he eventually gave up on it and handed it over to Sheryl Crow for 1998's The Globe Sessions. I don't remember a song called Mississippi on that. I sure fucking do. I can't believe it's the same song. Holy shit. Apparently it is, and he released it in 2001, and they went with this one for reasons. Uh, You know, I'm really fascinated to hear that, but I do think its inclusion is disingenuous. Agreed, and I actually kind of want to want to hear those side by side. I'm I'm now intrigued, but I think that is um, a big old bull of shit. Speaking of big old bull of shits, we're at 29, and we're getting our first Taylor Swift, and it's a song called "All Too Well" that I've never fucking heard of before. Maybe Taylor was like, "Hey guys, if you're my friend and you get the Rolling Stone thing, I really want to do that thing where TRL did that thing where TRL made it so that everybody that watched TRL like voted for uh, the right stuff by the new kids. <laughs> and I think I really want to do that, but like I want to do it with me if that's okay. Pick a song off of that album Red that nobody remembers. It's just bizarre. I don't like it being here. No, this should be the music is bad and you should feel bad. It's look, if you're going to put a Taylor Swift song in here, let's let's be real, okay? If you're going to do it, look, we're kind of railing against the idea that the big song has to be the best song. So maybe maybe we're wrong in this regards, okay? But Taylor Swift yeah. is a dyed-in-the-wool pop artist. For one of her best songs to be a B-side, I, I don't know. There's there's um, reasonable doubt in regards to, to saying that this is just outright bullshit. But straight up, um, Blank Space is... I, I'll, I'll, bet, I'll bet money when I hear it Blank Space is just better than this song Like, I, there, there's, there's no way There's no way that the song that I've never heard of Is is better than that Because that's a, I, That is a genuinely great song And that is coming from someone Who 
uh, is really hesitant to give Taylor Swift anything. I'll even take like one of the the early pop fucking Romeo and Juliet trash songs that she did over this. You know what? Fuck it. You know what? I'm gonna fucking click this song and I'm gonna listen to this song for one minute and I'm gonna edit it because I'm sure that would be really annoying. Okay, you know what? This meltdown is beautiful. <laughs> Yo, Meltdown May, as we've seen, has extended into July. I have heard this song, actually. It's pretty forgettable, and on her most recent album, the one song that I liked uh, quite a bit, actually, was a song called New Year's Day, which was a piano ballad and is significantly better than this. So, fuck you, Rolling Stone. I'm right, you're wrong. 28, Umbrella. Rihanna featuring Jay Z uh, probably should be top twenty, but it being shockingly low. It being twenty eight, well, you should you think it should be like fifties? No, no, I think I'm shocked how low this is. Oh, I yeah. would have thought this would have been top twenty five. Yeah, because what made this song unique was this song was a suite. There was the Cinderella version. There was Umbrella. There were dozens of covers the same month it came out. Umbrella was the same level of prevalent and popular that crazy was um so this is a little low in my opinion yeah i um i'm on board with you there i think this should be top 20 um but i think we're getting to, into some real now that we've gotten past all too well by taylor swift um, i think we're getting to some real competition that might be the dividing line because 27 is another song that i think could probably be top 20 so i think with only seven spaces to spare maybe all of these could be top 20 on a different day of the week uh bombs over baghdad by outcast Nope, I am shocked this is this high. Outcast lost all of their cash. They did, but I think... They lost. I think we're still going to see Hey Ya pretty high. That was in the top 10 previously. Yeah, I don't but, see it leaving there. So let me ask you a weird question then. If Hey Ya is still likely to be in the top 10, and I agree significantly, this inclusion is placing the value of Outcast's cultural impact above you two, because neither one of them have given us a goddamn thing worth a fuck in at least five years. And... In terms of Rolling Stone, that makes them relics. They're in the old age home. And for me, giving us this and then Hey Ya, unless they basically acknowledge that Hey Ya is Andre 3000 by himself hmm. and that this is the Outcast song and that is the Andre song, I think this is not, this isn't even the best not Hey Ya song. I agree with that. Um, only by a, a hair, maybe one or two songs in between that. I'm kind of on board with Rolling Stone here if we're talking about of the century so far. Uh, who has the bigger cultural cash in 2000 onward, U2 or Outcast? I'd still say Outcast. Of the last, of, of life, of, of all time, it's not Outcast. But, I mean. If this isn't even the best Outcast song that isn't Hey Ya, putting it here is arbitrary. This is an Outcast catch all. And I don't know that this is the song you place above all those other songs. Fair. Um, well, this next one certainly is it because this next song came out two and a half years ago, and I think it, it has already aged poorly than most um, of the songs we've talked about so far. Hotline Bling by Drake. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I can't believe I can't. You know, um, as as Jonah's friend said, or Jonah's. Or Jonah quoted, I don't know, but Jonah said, hey, he just read something. Uh, and it was Nickelback is the, I'm sorry, Drake is the Nickelback of hip hop. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned that. And I, I literally have a hard time believing there's any Drake on this list. By the way, I want to go on record saying I, I see at least one Missy Elliott classic on here. Oh, have we? Uh, yeah, I 
I think there was one early on, but I can see another one happening for sure. Get Your Freak On, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't like Hotline Bling being here. I think that song has aged super poorly in the last three years. Um, but I think I this is just We Need Some Drake. I would have I would have much rather taken Just Hold On, We're Going Home. Oh. If you have to give one of the shitty pop ones, if you have to give one that doesn't fucking sound like Drake, go with Just Hold On, We're Going and Home. I, I kind of joked about this throughout this entire list, but the more I have to joke about it because it comes up, the more I think it's serious. I think meme culture is dictating some of these positions and Hotline Bling has been memed and parodied significantly. And I wonder if that... It's just because of yeah. the gif, yeah. Um, oh, Uptown Funk is going to be number... Oh my God, Uptown Funk is top five. Wait, you're not looking at the list? I refuse to stand... Okay. No, no, I am not. I am not. And it's so, oh my god, no. How how could I have not? No, no, called no, wait, 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 how did no. I call it? I'm almost gonna promise you it's number no, no, one or it's, number two. It it's twenty five. And there's a cultural it's, it's literally reason. it's literally okay. the next song. On, it's it's next. It's Uptown Funk is twenty five. <laughs> I can't believe that it's twenty five. I that's shocking to me because I'm shocked they're not sucking the cock of a retro class. Uh no, no, it is literally just the next song. That's nuts! Okay, let's see if I can do 20. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm shocked it's not higher. Oh, wow! Songs of the Summers. This was a meme culture song. Well, we were we were wrong about an artist. We were wrong. We were wrong. And time has proven, possibly because of memes, but time has proven that there is a better song than the other song the artist had. Okay, what's next? Lose Yourself by Eminem. Mom Spaghetti. I'm shocked. Um, I do like this being higher than Stan. I think it's aged better than Stan. Um, but I'm also shocked by the fact that I completely agree. I'm also shocked that we're going to get probably three Outcast songs in the top 30, because uh, next is Miss Jackson. You know, at this is literally, this is literally why I was annoyed about Bombs Over Baghdad, because I think Miss Jackson is a million times over a better song. I am thrilled to see it here. If they have more than one song, I can't imagine it's anything but um, uh, The Whole World. But even then, I think that's it. Um, 22, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. Um, we've kind of talked on and off about this song. It's it's good. Uh, the band uh, really could never replicate this. Does the song hold up? Yes, I think so. Does it hold up to be number 22? I think I'd have less of a problem if it was even 35. The song remains significant, but its inclusion is not. I think it's, it, I think it's slightly high. Um... So the bubble of the top 20, I'm, you know, we are talking about stock falling and this being the only song of hers on this list. And with what is number 21, I think it probably is the case. 21, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. I like its inclusion. I like its slot. I don't like that we've seen no other Lady Gaga, honestly. I, I call that there's at least one more. What would it be? I think, I think Bad Romance is widely considered her best. Do you really think Poker Face is going to, or Paparazzi is going to sneak higher than Bad Romance? No, but what we've talked about multiple times with this list is it's not truly the song that represents their best, but it's a bizarre catch-all. Mm. I would expect it to be born this way. I'm also shocked that Praying isn't artificially high. Um, 20, Rehab. This is another one that dropped out of the initial top 10, um, probably because we're farther away from yeah, her she's death. Not, yeah, she, I was about to say she didn't die recently enough. She, she's got to come up with a new trick. Uh, she and Tupac need to do a hologram concert together. <laughs> uh, so, you know, not, not to entirely shit on Amy Winehouse. I, I don't hate... I think Back to Black is amazing. I think it's pretty good. I'm fine with this at 20. Better, At least better than I am with it in the top 10. Agreed completely and wholeheartedly. 
19. Hey, okay. We got to give, we have to give Rolling Stone some credit here. 19, Dancing on My Own by Robin. Uh, you know when you hear something and it literally makes your heart light up? It's like that Clickhole article, like the worst, and that's titled like the worst person you know made a good point, goddammit. Yeah, uh, you know what? I don't think there could be, and I, I said I thought there'd be a Robin somewhere, and we guessed it would be like number 97. Yeah, in the Kylie Minogue spot. This is, you know, I actually think Body Talk is one of the most significant attempts at creating living pop I've ever heard. It it was multiple EPs that came together to form an album, and then there's even more than just those three EPs in the album. Uh, there's so many alternate versions of so many songs. It's such an expressive idea. I think to not discuss Body Talk when trying to discuss the 100 greatest songs of the last um, however many years would be a foolish mistake. I don't know that this is the song for me. Um, because, you know, if we can do deep cuts, Taylor Swift, I would probably yeah. go for Stars Forever. Okay. But um, I I really, I just, the idea that, uh, or Call Your Girlfriend. Um, My outside personal favorite me. deep cut off of Body Talk is, Hang With Me is really good. I really love Time Machine, too. Oh, Time Machine and Indestructible Back to Back is just one of the greatest yes. experiences oh. of your life. Agreed. So... Okay, yeah, I couldn't be happier. Rolling Stone, thank you for doing a solid to, like, literally, like, the, the emotional gay community. I'm not going to get Carly, so this is all I could get. I'm thrilled. Uh, according to this this uh, this this blurb underneath it, um, Lord said in 2015 that, to her, this song is perfect. And uh, I knew I liked Lord for a lot of reasons. This is just adding to that list. Um, 18, Black Star by David Bowie. Um kind of nope 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 we kind of predicted this um i think they picked the song black star because it shares the name with the album while uh both culturally musically and emotionally lazarus is the better song off of this album uh it just in every fucking way significantly it's not even just a better song lazarus is one of those things where uh, it's sort of how i felt about um the tori amos song that we included on the playlist bang even if she's getting older and she's moving to a place where we don't necessarily always agree in the same way we used to, it's just like it's this new form of the same mm-hmm. voice. I, yeah, I think this. If this is Lazarus, I'm fine. I think I think this is an inclusion for the album as a whole, uh, which again, integrity doesn't exist on this. I think Lazarus deserves a place on this list. And I think it deserves a reasonably high place on this list. Uh, I don't think Black Star does. Um, I think, you know, I think Lazarus even deserves a place in maybe the top 10 Bowie songs. Number 17, Work It by Missy Elliott. There you go. Your prediction is correct. Yep. I knew there had to be a later Missy song. I'm shocked it's not Get Your Freak On. I'm shocked it's not, um, uh, you know what? No, I think because of the thrifting, I think that makes (laughs) this one the one. 16. Oof. Wow. 16. All My Friends by LCD Sound System. Okay, you know, I, you just mentioned that I was doing Meltdown July. Um, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about your opinions on LCD Sound System before I uh, give like a one minute thing that probably pisses a couple of people off? I'm going to say two things. Number one, I can't believe sure. there's been no Ed Sheeran yet. Yeah, I don't yeah. like Ed Sheeran. Like, I very famously find Ed Sheeran super boring. Same, but like, same. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. I'm really, 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 really shocked. They had a fucking Harry Styles song. Um, but I'm actually gonna... You've actually shit on LCD Sound System, like, twice in, like, a week? I... Yeah, I don't like And it. I was listening back to the, um, the Best Of episode, and 
Because I actually want – I had an idea. I kind of want to do um, how do we feel about our best of lists. Do we feel they held up six okay. months into the year? Talk about what the playlist was. Everybody listen to the playlist. Anyway, um, I – because I do think there's been a monumental shift since our list. But um, I feel like LCD Sound System, you said it really well in that episode. You said that they cashed in on any good their name had by by restarting after that huge farewell. And Joey yeah. was like, well, no, I don't think that just because they released a new album that's kind of subpar, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to go back and listen to the old album and think that that's really great. You know, I, I only listened to that once or twice. So even if I don't like the new one, there's still the old one for me. And you were like, uh, uh, yeah, okay, but it's just like, if you say you're done, you're done. And I'm actually somewhere in the middle. I actually just don't give a shit that LCD sound system keeps doing. <laughs> I'm going to say something that's going to gay me up real quick, but since I'm a little boy, I've loved Cher. I love Cher so much. There is, I genuinely love her. I think her theatrics are incredible. I think uh, her voice is one of a kind. Um, her ability to reinvent herself. Yeah, there's times she tries to embarrassingly stay young, but she tries to embarrassingly stay young looking. She's very much coming to the sense of matriarch, uh, whereas we've commented that Madonna's having trouble aging. Or I think where we can say Cindy Lauper gave in to aging too quickly. And mm. I, um, I just think Cher is an incredible creature, and I think she's really amazing. And I've yet to go see her live in my entire life, and I'll tell you why. It's because I really don't believe this is the farewell tour. I will never right. believe any of the farewell tour. I don't care for Barbara. I will never believe she's on her farewell tour, though. Um, there's just certain Kiss. Kiss will never be on a farewell tour. Will never be the Rolling oh, no. Stones farewell tour. Will never be the Eagles farewell tour. If the Eagles of Death Metal say it was their farewell tour, I'd be shocked to shit, and I would be like, "Go, that's your only chance." But like the Kiss farewell tour will be lowering Gene Simmons into his grave in a Kiss coffin. I don't know. I think they're going to try and reanimate the meat puppet a couple of times. Just get a few more shows out of it. Um, Literal makeup on a pig. Pretty much. Oh my god, they just start replacing the parts that fall off with pig parts. So, um, I, I really do think we are... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think LCD Sound System are, are, are a group who the average person who could feel they would read this list. Like, the average person is at, is at Target, sees this motherfucking magazine, grabs it, buys it. They're not going to know who the fuck LCD sound system is. They're going to think their last stereo they had put in their car was an LCD sound system. They're not going to know who the band was. The band does not have that level of fame. They've never had that level of fame. They are indie darlings, but they are not people that you might recognize. I had this co-worker, Marie, and her son was really funny. Um, real hot. And he... One time said, you can tell if it's a good band name by whether or not you can hear the announcer on SNL say it. And musical guest, LCD Sound System. And like, <laughs> That's you can't good. put yourself right there and hear him say that. The band isn't that relevant. Now, I'm not saying that LCD Sound System isn't relevant, and I'm not saying they've never been on SNL. But I am saying that... Indie darlings pump up the value of LCD sound system. If we actually take a minute and like, let's talk about some of like the TV shows that people love that, that, that get these obsessive followings or comic books that are read by literally just like 200,000 people total. When we talk about these things that have so much, um, so much surrounding them, so much hype. I don't think 
I'm going to be honest. I know I just used a lot of breath, and I, I, you know I love hearing you talk. I've loved hearing you talk since well before you thought anybody should listen to you. But I don't know that your breath is worth it. They're a band who ultimately recognized that they could make more money trading in on the value of their name than they could making new music. They will never again be able to make money based on being the cutting-edge new artist, and that's where the creative magic lies, and they're no longer those people. So now they're just LCD sound system, factory machine, that are going to be able to generate and regenerate their their longevity by uh, kind of like trading in on their name, like we discussed. So I'm happy to hear you go off on them. But I, I almost feel like, aren't they so sad that it's not worth it? Well, I'm going to go straight to the core of LCD Sound System in general. I think LCD Sound System is a band that people remember liking more than they actually like. I think they're a band that was put on at parties in college and sounded a lot better than some of the other stuff that was being put on at parties in college. And they have great memories of All My Friends and Daft Punk is playing at my house and uh, a bunch of the stuff off those albums. But I think if you're going to tell me, because, you know, if you look at the song on YouTube, All My Friends... The music video and the song itself is about four minutes and 50 seconds. Okay? On an album, it's nine minutes. Because LCD Sound System takes the one good idea that they have in a song and stretches it out until until fucking infinity. Ad nauseum in the most literal sense of nauseum. He repeats the same simple, boring, rhythmic idea well-produced rhythmic idea in a song until it's fucking obnoxious and unlistenable. You remember LCD Sound System being on at a fun time in your life. If you're going to tell me that you sit there and listen to all eight minutes of Death Punk is playing at my house, you're a fucking liar, okay? Because nobody can listen to that shit for that long because it's one good idea stretched out three times its length. If LCD Sound System's songs were three and a half to four minutes, I would almost agree with you that a lot of his stuff is great. Instead, for some reason, he gets so far up his own ass that he needs to repeat boring ideas over and over and over again until your only option is to turn him off. Congratulations, welcome to dance music. And, um... Like, I, I mean that, like, genuinely, like, yeah, like, this, I, there is this, like, um, okay, 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 okay. Because here's what I do want to say, too. I, I've, I've gone to lengths, I've gone at length to discuss my emotional relationship with Madonna and how it really begins and ends with Ray of Light being the, her seminal record and being released at my most vulnerable point in my life where, where I was so obsessed with the reality of, um being legit and not legit and what that means and doesn't mean and you know we just talked about all that earlier in the episode but um so when Madonna released music I was really unhappy with it the first time I heard first time I heard Beautiful Stranger I thought it might be by Amber like this is your night Amber damn and yeah. then the first time I heard Dancing music the yeah the first time I heard music I was like yeah. this is like this is like a like a, it's like a, like a joke, and we're, like you're gonna, you're gonna play the real thing afterward, right? I couldn't, I, and I've since come to appreciate it, um, but I can't help but notice that it is pretty much forty seconds of music for four minutes. The lyrics barely change. I think they are. 
I don't think she sings it well. I think the um, the I like to boogie woogie sounds really. I don't know. I think um, people really like to give credit to really simple songs because they're earworms or um, that one bit that's really good. Um, I don't. I really agree with you. I almost think though that that's true of far too much of this list. I, there's just no. There's just nothing else on this list that every single one of the songs on their album is over six minutes. Yeah, you're right. My precious tool didn't make it. Ah, R.I.P. Uh, also, our argument about Gnarls Barkley goes out the window because 15 is crazy. That drop is insane. I put "fuck you" in the top ten. Um, 14 is a song that I love being here. Toxic by Britney Spears. Hell yeah! You know what? Fuck yeah! Good for Britney. You know we've we've gone to the mat for and against her. We are protective mm-hmm. of her, but we are her harshest critics. We root for her success, and we have watched her failures. We save chunks of her hair and occasionally mail them back to her saying, you know, we're in the house. And she's like, come to my kid's Pokemon party. And she's just the best mom in the world. And um, fuck yeah. Toxic really deserves a place in, in the Music Hall of Fame. I'm almost sad it's not higher. And we've talked about how great, um, you know, we think Can't you, can't Get You Out of My Head should, should have been higher than like 98 or wherever it was. Um, and we've joked about how Britney Spears' version of Telephone is cringeworthy, uh, is, is cringeworthy and bad. Alien! Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, worth, worth remembering that Kylie Minogue passed on this song. And I don't think this song is as good with Kylie Minogue on it. I think this is quintessentially Britney. Uh, apparently in 2010, she was asked what her favorite song was, and Britney said her favorite song of herself was Toxic, and that to me is the correct answer. Uh, it's it's really great. Really recognizable riff, great production. Tremendous piece of music. Just a tremendous piece of music. 13, All Right by Kendrick Lamar. Um, not the song that I would have picked, but I I just knew they had to pick a to paint. They had to pick a To Pimp a Butterfly song because that album is more of an album than a track at any point, and they, I think they want to acknowledge that, even though I think that's disingenuous. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think this was a good choice. I like it. I like it a lot. The, the blurb opens with, sang at an anti-Trump rally in Chicago. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it, guys. Um, 12, get your freak on, Missy Elliott. Fuck. Yes. You know what? Give me one more. Just put her one more time. There's nothing left to put higher than this. I don't care. Um, I have long since this show began said, I think in the first episode, I talk about how Missy Elliott is unbelievably relevant to this day. I don't think trap music could exist without Missy Elliott's contributions to making weird fucking noise into a song. And I, um, I think she's somebody who does, who is worth her weight in gold and platinum and diamond and everything else that flat earthers think is incredibly common and is just being manipulated into using against us. So I love her. I think this is great. I think Get Your Freak On was the time she went from Missy Elliott, that that rapper lady who's sometimes funny and produces, to Missy Elliott superstar. There's an incredible remix of this with uh, Nelly Furtado from the Tomb Raider soundtrack. Um, That's a weird sentence. That's... That's uh, Tomb Raider 2, Cradle of Life, whatever the fuck it is. Um, it's a really phenomenal uh, <laughs> remix. And in the part where, um, from the original, Missy goes, Who's that bitch? Nelly Furtado goes, Me, me. Nelly, Nelly, Nelly Furtado, all in your stereo. It's really cute. It's really good. You should definitely link to it. It's a great track. 
Um, this is a great song. Uh, I'm so happy it's here. I'm so happy that this is really the piece that introduced the world to, you know, there was the rain and the rain was mm-hmm. popular, but it, she wasn't fucking Missy. And no. I've been championing her since day one. It's so great to hear her on this. Uh, I'm really thrilled. It's been two inclusions in the top 20. I couldn't be happier. Uh, I'm making it sound like I just won this gold medal after an Olympics, but I, I'm really happy. Um, number number 11, I, I we just talked about how we're not going to be able to talk about this song on a now because it's not on a now, um, and we have to find a place for it. Um, we're doing this blind, so... I have a lot to say about the song, but I want to take my time with it. So here's probably not the time. Is it? Can I guess what it is? Place for yeah. Is it since you've been gone? It is number eleven. Is since you've been gone by Kelly Clarkson. Um, this is not where I want to. It's yeah. It's literally yeah. the most pops. It's the most perfect pop song maybe ever written. Um, this is not where I want to go deep on this song. I want to do that down the line on like a, songs that were like a full emissions episode, which I think we're planning on doing in the not too distant future. Um, Love it. Deserves to be here. One of the most recognizable pop rock songs. Um, Kelly Clarkson going to rock off of the heels of her terrible American Idol um, indentured servitude was a great, a great sound and a great call. I can't wait to talk about this song more, but I want to really give some thought and listens to it before I go deep. Other than to say I love it, uh, would be doing it a disservice. Uh, yeah, you know what? As soon as you said how excited you were, okay, so. I was really hesitant to listen to Emotion uh, just because, like, I had too much fucking shit going on in my life and I was in such a bad place in my life. And Chris had said to listen to it twice. And so I finally fucking put it on because if he says something twice, if this guy pays attention to something twice, I'm in. And it's just because you experience so much at such a quick pace, you, you, you take in so much music. For you to mention something to me two different times means you really care mm-hmm. about it. And... I was driving down Route 35 on my way to my job, and I heard the opening horn riff or sax riff of Run Away With Me, and I literally had to pull over within 30 seconds because I was actually crying because I forgot how music could feel so good. Wow. And um, I'd literally forgotten that music could feel so good. I literally cried. I literally pulled over and cried. And then I listened to Emotion, and I cried a little bit more. And then I got to where I really, really like you, and I was okay to drive. <laughs> and um, I was okay to drive to Give Me Love, and then all that, and I couldn't drive, and boy problems, and um, making the most of the night, and I didn't just come here to dance, and just, like, the whole, the whole fucking thing snowballed. And he was so late for work. Um, I was I actually, like, I kind of just kept, like, an earpiece in the entire time I was teaching that kid. <laughs> um, it was... Uh, anyway, um, I think since you've been gone goes on a list, a very short list of, of literally perfect pop songs with uh, Run Away With Me, with uh, probably Dancing On My Own, I guess, um, with, even though we've talked about how we don't both think it's the greatest song ever, Beyonce's Irreplaceable, mm-hmm. or, um, ooh, if Sweet Dreams hasn't been on here, Sweet Dreams could be on here. Sweet Dreams? But- By Beyonce? Or Beautiful Nightmare, Beautiful Nightmare? Oh, Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a sweet dream. Yeah, that that fucking piece of music is so great. She kills it. She sings it better than she sings just about any other song from that period. Of I her went career. straight to the Eurythmics. Um, <laughs> hot mashup. So, um, I really, yeah, I I'm I'm pretty happy with this list so far. I think I think going into the top ten with Kelly Clarkson setting the bar at number 11, we're either about to enjoy this last ten or we're about to rip them the fuck apart. Well, can we remember what was in the top ten? I can remember the Carters being in the top ten last time. 
Um, so I'm expecting 99 problems. I'm expecting crazy in love. Um, Paper Planes was in there. Um, I think there was a U2 song, which means it probably Stand dropped crazy. off. Yeah, Stan and Crazy are out. Um, I think that, I, I want to say there's a U2 song, which hopefully that means it dropped out. It might have been Beautiful Day. That beautiful sounds day. right. Um, I think Beautiful Day was like number six or something. Yeah, I don't know what, I'm not 100% sure what else there okay. was, but so I'm expecting to see a bunch of those, which makes me nervous about what Beyonce song it is, but um, alright, you want to go top 10? Let's do top 10, brother. Top 10, top 10. Last night, The Strokes. Um, I think this was in that top 10, and I didn't remember no, it. Um, no, no, I, I, I get it, I get wanting it there, but this is literally that 70s show. This was something that was really interesting and different for a hot minute, and it reminded us of something else we liked more, but I still like the Ramones more. And this being here is a catch-all for that massive shift into retro rock by 24-year-old guys who were incredibly rich growing up on Long Island and their parents could afford to buy them a motherfucking recording studio. I'm actually really annoyed this is still in the top 10 and Since You've Been Gone is number 11. Whether we're talking cultural impact or we're talking um, shaping pop music, this flop, this 11 and 10 is so far the stupidest move on the part of this list. Um, I like the song. Um, I think you, I agree with you that this is a catch-all for the inclusion of this genre. Um, it's not even the best song on this album. It's not, it's not the best single on this album. If if they want to, it's not. Yeah, it's. I put hard to explain or someday. It's not even the best album by them. Um, so uh, uh, it's close. Um, yeah, I think it's debatable. Um, speak. All right. Well, <laughs> I just accidentally looked down to see if the next song was. Um, I like the inclusion of this artist, but literally every song on Melodrama is better than Royals, so Royals is number nine. Um, no. Okay, actually, I know this song was unlike anything else on the radio. It it made a definitive statement. Agreed. I've talked about how I love Lord as an idea. I don't know that I love Lord as an artist. I think this belongs top ten. I don't. Uh, this might be my – it. in my opinion, jumping from – 1011 is the worst flop yet. I think this might be the most accurate. I think something this high up is. I get why this is here. I just don't think, and I, you know, I acknowledge the how big it was and how out of nowhere it was, and how different it was from everything at the time. And so much has taken from this sound since then. Um, but it was the anti someone like you. Yes, and um, I just don't. Just, just loving Lord like I do, and and how much I loved melodrama. I think, I think almost every song off of that is better. Um, but I get its inclusion, and if we're if we're doing that Rolling Stone thing where the top ten especially is more of the statement that they are making versus the song that it is being made with, then sure, fine. Um, just in in the long run of like ranking Lord songs, if I ever had to do that, this would not even be top five. But uh, sure fine i but it has to be this. top five for rolling stone yes it List. you know what it might be. it might be like number five number eight i get why i get why this wasn't there on the 2011 one and i get why it's here now uh rolling in the deep by adele i think this is just their general put adele think, into one song i actually think it's the best written pop song um like i i know i since you've been gone i think this is up there. If I actually probably think this surpasses it a little bit. Um, I'm surprised there's not I another Adele song I, somewhere on this list. Like 40s could have had I'm another surprised one. Someone like you. Yeah, someone like you or Chasing Pavements or Hello. Um, 
I think this is one of the most perfect pieces of music ever written. I think every single lyric is chosen with such exquisite precision. Her vocal delivery is one of the greatest vocal deliveries I've ever heard. It is one of the most well-produced pieces of music ever. It sounds like, it sounds like she wants you to hear it. It literally sounds like tears falling. You're going to wish you never had met me. Tears are going to fall rolling in the deep. It is like, I, I, Kevin and I, um, the last thing that was done at our wedding, which you were best man at, so you would remember, uh, was uh, One and Only mm-hmm. by Adele from 21. Um, I I can't praise Adele enough. I love her so much. I really do. I, I just think she's released two unfucking believable albums and one very good debut. And I just, I'm always excited to see what her next release is. Um, I'm really excited for the peanut butter and jelly sex tape. <laughs> uh, it has one of my favorite call and responses of the 2000s uh, in that, that pre-chorus. Um, I guess it, maybe it's not exactly a call and response, but you know what I mean. Wow. Uh, kind of stunned by this inclusion here. Uh, huh. Uh, number seven, Kanye West featuring Pusha T, Runaway. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on this one. I think this is Kanye West's best song by a large margin, on his best album by a large margin. Uh, Runaway did things to me the first time I heard it, and it, it still remains um, one of my favorite rap songs of all time. It, it's a weird disconnect um, with how emotionally invested into some of the song I am and how hard it can hit me to then jumping into Pusha T's verse, which... I think it's an amazing, an amazing couple of bars, but just emotionally so disconnected from anything that I've ever felt before. But the fact that then the song can switch right back, um, just musically, and 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 pull me back to having a real emotional, visceral reaction to it uh, is incredible. And um, I I'm shocked by this being here, but I love that it is. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um... You know, you know me in, in, in problematic faves. I try to avoid them, and I think um, I think Kanye shows such disrespect and disregard for kind of other human beings uh, that I try not to promote Kanye if I can help it. Uh, but it's just about impossible with with this track. Um, this was actually my first real exposure to Pusha T. Oh wow! Um, high recommends for going yeah. back and listening to some clips. Yeah. Um, but no, somebody I went back and immediately explored more into. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm glad this is here because I, w- I now don't believe there's another Kanye song up here. Yeah, there can't be. So this, this song is this song just, the, Kanye has a great way of making really, really simple ideas into really amazing art and holy shit. There hasn't been a single Lil John song. Oh, well that's for the best. What really is just a one finger noodling on a piano being made into kind of such an incredible beat is I don't I, I don't want to throw around genius uh, that that lacks daisically uh, especially I, I do I do yeah. honestly feel like Kanye West is a genius even if he's a genius who is also a complete dumbass oh no yeah he's a genius piece of shit yeah there you go uh, this song yeah. went up from last time uh, and I think you didn't say it should be there this time, so you're certainly not going to say it should be there now. And I think this is a song that maybe should be around the 20s. Uh, Maps by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. I'm just going to say my thing about the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. About, I'm sorry. I'm going to say my thing about Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs that I said last time too. I understand how much everyone loves them. And I think they're great. And I think they're cool. But if you try to tell me they have this level of pop culture relevance... You're wrong. 
And I think Maps is one of the most perfect pieces of music, that atmospheric, heavy, that very, it's a very nice, it's a very 2003 sound. And um, it's, it's romantic in a, in, a, in a wistful way. It's, it's looking at stars you can never reach. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's haunting. It's summoning. It, it puts you in a place you don't want to go to and that you can't go to without it. If I were an actor and I needed to act a scene where I just found out that my husband was divorcing me, all I'd have to do is fucking listen to this song for two minutes while looking at pictures of my husband falling away from me. <laughs> I would be devastated and I'd never come back. I'm actually having a breakdown right now and I'm chewing, I'm putting in my mouth guard. So, like, this song is so epic, but the problem is... The metric that would put this... Oh, I'm shocked. No metric. The metric that would put Mm. this song in the top 10 precludes so much of this list. Right. It's Unless we are... It's just... It's not consistent. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is I I can get behind this being number six on this list if the rest of the list was consistent in that regard. It's so all over the place and it does seem like it was... I, I don't I don't know how they made this list. I love what the AV Club does at the end of their year, where they put out like a top twenty, and then they put out everyone who voted on it their own top ten, so you could really see kind of how stuff broke down. Um, and it also holds people to some kind of um, to like a standard, like um, you know, Parkett Courts guy. If if he knew that his top ten was going to be published, maybe he wouldn't have put his own song at number one, which almost certainly happened for that song to even be at like ninety nine or whatever the fuck it was at. Um, uh, so. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know where they're coming from with this, but I, like, I'm fine with the song being there, but it just it just seems it just seems off for what we've seen so far from this. I do also love that uh, since you've been gone, so blatantly stole its bridge from this song, and both of them are within five of each other and in the top ten essentially. Um, so maybe that that riff of the bridge of maps is like the best riff of the 2000s so far. You could say by the numbers. Wait, really? I thought Since You've Been Gone came first. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Uh, Maps 2003, and scrolling up, uh, do, 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 Since You've Been Gone, late 2004. Fascinating. In my head, they mm. just happened all in the same gap period. Close, but not quite. 99 Problems, Jay-Z, number five. Uh, we kind of talked about this when we went through the initial one. This is their... Uh, we had ninjas in Paris before, but this seems to be kind of like there. This is our representation of Jay Z, and it goes at number five. If he didn't go top five, they'd be afraid that he'd cock slap them. <laughs> uh, number four, hey ya. I think I think I think we're maybe getting at some obvious stuff at this point. Uh, we and we're kind of eye rolling because is. we've already talked about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, number three, Seven Nation Army. We did forget that one being in that list. Um, if anything, I would say since 2011, the song has culturally become more relevant because you watch a single World Cup game yeah. and during downtime, the entire fucking stadium is going da, da 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 which it's a weird song to become like a, a massive chant, but um, I know it that makes just sense. means that a seven nation army could song is that means the song is forever. No, a seven nation army couldn't hold me back and in that driving uh, uh, no, yeah, I think this is exactly Stan's music. It's like, hey, yeah. Oh, I was gonna use that as a perfect example. It's like I didn't, I didn't think we made 
songs like that anymore and it's it's cool it's like how there's no more christmas ballads or like the last one is all i want for christmas is you like I, there's just there's just no more like jock jams like sports right. standards and like it's it's weird to see one from our time happen uh and it's, it's cool too yeah well it's it, here's how it happened a vampire spider in a bowler hat decided to <laughs> make a song that's the sound of all the hearts he's consumed and that's how we got this fucking song. Johnny Depp's vitamin D deficient clone. Uh, yeah, H.H. Uh, H. Holmes with a guitar. I hate this. I hate this. What's next? Uh, Paper Planes by M.I.A. Nope, should not have moved up. Sorry, nope, should not have moved up. I am a huge M.I.A. fan. I am a... I agree. I think this should have moved down. I'm an enormous M.I.A. fan. I can, like, literally, like, let's put on Galang Galang. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's get back into the early shit. Boys. But, like... Yeah, um... My anthem is, um, Bad Girls. It's literally my anthem. So, like, um, I, I... It's a very political thing to do. I like it because it's a great song by a great artist, but it's a very political move that is not genuine. This can't be number two if Maps is number six and Last Night is number 10 and number 11 is... The only fucking thing that makes sense about this list is Can't Get You Out of My Head and Royals. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I know I know which artist is number one and that means it's the same song that was there last time uh, and it is. Huh. <sighs> Man, um, you know, the world will end not with a bang, but with a whimper. Is it Fuck You by CeeLo Green? No, it's your aunt's favorite song to dance to when she's drunk at a wedding. Crazy in love. No, this doesn't even make... This This is a terrible selection. Um, this is awful. This is really bad. This isn't even the best Beyonce song from that time. It's not the best Beyonce song. It's... This is weak sauce. This doesn't... She, you know, she went back to destiny's child after this and did a number of songs with them that did not result in the same level of 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 success like i just i fucking don't get this this is uh. even the blurb can't really defend this super hard it just says this is the song and this is how it was made it really doesn't have any superlatives to give the song other than uh, you know a fucking fire horn riff uh, e- even I, w- I mean i would love to see the breakdown of this voting who put this here um i i don't i don't get it it's, yeah, this this is cheap. This is really cheap. This is cheap and this lame. Is, this is bad. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's not even a whimper. It's not even a whimper. It's an eye roll. And that's, I think, what kind of has me annoyed. Yeah. It's an eye roll. I, uh, Fuck You is a much bigger, much more popular, much more effective, much more affecting song than Crazy in Love. Yes, Crazy in Love is part of what launched Beyonce into the cultural vernacular. But... If it wasn't, if it wasn't crazy in love, it would have just been the next Beyonce song. Beyonce isn't an artist who was made by the right place at the right time. Beyonce decided she was gonna happen. CeeLo is somebody who keeps needing very special circumstances to become famous again. And fuck you, could have been by anybody, and it would have been a a massive hit. CeeLo cannot have a massive hit with just anything. Beyonce could have a massive hit with just anything, but I don't know that Crazy in Love recorded by Ashanti would have been the number one it was recorded by Beyonce. I think it's just a it's a right place, right time song for an amazing artist who would have made it no matter what. I'm not even defending Fuck You. I think that Fuck You isn't in the top ten is ridiculous. 
it, it's baffling to me. I mean, think think about this from the um, Miss America standpoint. Like, if, if if the winner can't fulfill, you know, his or her obligations, number two takes over. If you just knock that song out, then then all that standing between paper planes and number one is crazy in love. That's that's insane on its own. Like, I, I think just looking at what's number two, what's number three. What's number four, even? Going back to 99, even 99 Problems is probably the closest one. I, I would knock this four down immediately. Um, if number one was Formation by Beyonce, I would at least understand that slightly more than I would understand Crazy in Love. Uh, there would at least be some reasoning behind that beyond just like, eh, it's at weddings a lot, and all, all the wedding bands play it, and your your white-ass aunt Maria knows it. I, I, just, I just don't get it. It's, it's beautiful production... And in a time where there's a lot of great production, uh, it it seems so intellectually bereft for this to be on there. And I'm saying that about a list that I have really expected to have no integrity and kind of brought itself back from the brink between 15 and now. And uh, it it just, it completely whiffed on number one. I I would take love on top above this. Like... I just don't care. I knew Beyonce was number one, and I still didn't imagine it that it was this song until we got to, like, three, and I was like, well, I haven't seen this fucking thing yet. Are you trying to tell me that neither Feel Good Inc. nor Clint Eastwood was top 25? Wow. Yeah, no. I feel like we saw Feel Good Inc. in, like, the 80s, but that's still nuts that that's it. Fucking, I would yeah. Also, uh, what a, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think... Um, Gross. I don't know. Gross. I, Blank Space I, not being on here at all, and that weird-ass Taylor Swift song being at, like, 30? Fuck off. This, we Will this Never is, Get Back Together wasn't on list. here. Trouble wasn't Even on that, here. Blank Space wasn't on here. Love Story wasn't on here. I can't stop naming Taylor Swift songs I fucking hate that weren't on here. Where was exactly. Photograph by Ed Sheeran? Where was Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran? Where was Photograph by Nickelback? Right? <laughs> For that matter. I mean, if we're getting into shit like this, why not? And also, where was and I'm going to say this, but where was the the Lincoln Park cocksuck? Hey, true, he got he got farinaed at this at this award show, my friend. He sure Fuck. did. Um, I, uh, yeah, wow. Where was a single uh, song by Christina Aguilera? Where was a s- yeah? Kind of shots beautiful didn't get some kind of like mid seventies nod. Where's Pink? Yeah. Where's I can't stop naming artists that Rolling Stone would say are in the top 20 most influential songs. Are you telling me the only Bruno Mars song is Uptown Funk? The dude shits Grammys. The guy literally wakes up and he burps and he goes, oop, just stole some Grammys from some women. And like, he can't <laughs> stop winning Grammys, right? The guy shakes Grammys out at the urinal and he... I'm trying to express that the man, every bodily function, produces Grammys and the only song is Uptown Funk? No Foo Fighters. No Alicia Keys, who was literally one of the most uh, Grammy-nominated people of all time. No John Mayer, who Rolling Stone calls the most uh, talented guitarist in the entire world. Um, There's just so many people who... One Adele song. One Adele song. She's literally the most successful act of the last 20-something years. One Adele song, one Lady Gaga song. Nothing Off Rainbow by Kesha. The fucking Harry Styles song made it on this list, and Nothing Off Rainbow. Are you really trying to tell me that nobody put praying on these lists? There is just something so politicized about the idea that I'm supposed to believe that this list was measured on any common metric. I think it got more obvious by the top ten, when everyone was just like, well... 
I don't want to put two Beyonce songs on this list, so let's just put Crazy in Love at number one. I don't want to think about what other Jay-Z song I would actually like if I had to name another Jay-Z song, so let's just put The Only One I Know at number five. It, it, it seems so lazy. I swear to God, I'm, I have literally, I have one last thing to say on this list. And that is, if you ask this list what its favorite movie was, it would say Rush Hour 2. <laughs> Nico, where can people find you? Oh, crying in the bathroom. <laughs> they can find me on Instagram at Nico Vasillo, N-I-C-O-V-A-S-I-L-O. You can find me making music on Facebook over at Facebook.com slash Action Duo. And you can find my amazing comic book, Kid Riot. Uh, over at KidRiotComics.com. That's KidRiotComics.com. You can also check me out over the rest of the summer. You can find me... Um, well, you guys will definitely not hear this in time, but I'm going to pimp them anyway. You can find me this weekend at Blurred City Con in Brooklyn. You can find me at the end of the month in July at Blurred Con in Virginia. You can find me uh, at the Sheridan in Manhattan uh, in August for uh, Flame Con. You can find me in September in Pennsylvania at Keystone Con, October at Nerdtino in Philly, and NYCC as always. Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy couple months. Most of those will get uh, to a point where like they can actually do something about it. Uh, those the, the July one, probably not. Um, I'm Chris Podcasts on Twitter, uh, and you won't find me anywhere else except there, really. And the Cage Club Connected Universe, cageclub.me. Um, especially check out a little show called Cinemakers, where Joey, Mike, and I are going chronologically through the films of Christopher Nolan. We are tattooing things on our body and talking like this and um, going multiple levels deeper into our dreams uh, to the point where we come out in a tesseract and suddenly our daughters are 95 years old. And what is everybody supposed to vote for me to get onto all of the episodes of? Third Time's a Charm. I found that link and I filled out some stuff too. I want to be on all the horror movie episodes. Yay! I want all the superhero movie episodes and some of the horror ones. Yay! So intersect because you don't want to do any of the superhero ones. So... I didn't even, I didn't even, uh, much unlike some of these Rolling Stone voters, I knew my fucking lane. It's a good lane, brother. All right, man. Well, well, let's, uh, we definitely have uh, something really special planned for 21. We do. Um, We're going, I don't, you know, it was your idea. Why don't, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work. And frankly, I'm drinking during every episode of this show. So, so we're going to play, we're going to play, uh, Buddy Bingo, which is we're going to have a couple of things that the other one is famous for saying or doing in the course of filming or recording a podcast. And every time the person does it, we have to take a drink. Um, so we're going to have a list of things that every time one of us says about, like, you know, so there's going to be things. If I reference Tori or BT or Janet or Mariah, he's going to get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> if um, if we get to a point where he says, ah, no, I'm going to take a drink. And we're going to see who knows the other one so well that they die. Yeah, and free space will be us making fun of Joey. You know, guys, I don't think that's very nice. Damn, I don't know if that's a really accurate or really rude impression. I love Joey. I think he's the nicest guy. Uh, I think he is patient and really understanding that I'm still figuring out this medium and stuff. And sometimes I tell him these ideas I have, and he's like, you are quite theatrical. And I'm like... Yes. And he's the nicest guy. He puts up with so much and he was so great to have me on this network with you guys. So I just want to be part of this network and contributing. And you know me, if I do an impression, it's because I love you. Mm-hmm. And uh, until seven years from now, when maybe Crazy in Love isn't number one, 
We will catch you on the flip side. Hail Satan. She's number one because of Illuminati connections. Once 